Hello there. Welcome to the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is a chance for pastors and members of Christ Covenant to process the sermon, ask questions to the preacher, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you have a question for the Sermon Talkback, please text it to the Text to Pastor line at 678 951 9041, or you can ask through Twitter by tweeting to Jason directly at Jason Edwin Dees. Enjoy. All right. Well, we, we started the Gospel of John yesterday, and who knows who knows when this river will end? Only the Lord knows. When Only we'll the Lord knows. The twenty first chapter of John. Um, yeah, our plan is not to like race through this. Our plan is to just go a chapter at a time, and a couple, maybe you know, this one's going to be three sermons. For John 1. John 1, though, I mean, you kind of feel like even yesterday I could have done three or four or five sermons on just 1 through 18. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so packed. I started off with a little explanation of the Feynman's cataclysmic question, like this one piece of Scripture, you really can jump to every other part of Scripture. I mean, you can, in the beginning, right, you can jump to the beginning, the, the creation narrative, the the law came through Moses, which is actually a, a verse I didn't even really mention in the sermon. I mean, that's mm -hmm. huge. Um, so you can kind of jump to the whole Old Testament. You can jump to the future hope that we have in Christ. You can understand the fullness of Christ. That's kind of what we looked at yesterday. So there's just a lot of places you could have gone with just this passage. So I'm excited about the study. Um, Gospel of John is just so, I mean, you just think of mm -hmm. how important it is to our faith. How yeah. important it is to just understanding, as I said, the fullness of our Lord. It, it's probably the best place to go if you just have the question, who is Jesus? Mm -hmm. It's a really, you know, I, one of the things I really appreciate about the Bible, and, and in particular the Gospels, is the different viewpoints and emphases that, that the Gospel writers have. Like, obviously, there's a stark difference with how John starts versus the rest of the Gospels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, John starts before the beginning of time, whereas Matthew starts with a genealogy. Uh, it's in Matthew time is space. very to the point yesterday I made about the difference between Eastern and Western thought. Matthew is very Jewish. Mm -hmm. Sure, yeah, yeah, and and John, you know, for our Western minds, is is a very appealing book because it is. It starts out philosophical. It starts out with we like that big questions of existence and eternality, which is like. Just teases the Western mind. Yeah, I mean, even like, you know, him using the idea of Logos, like he's he's going after the Western thinker mm -hmm, here. Mm -hmm. um, but he's also, you know, he's got that good mix of like, but John the Baptist, you know, for you Jewish readers out there, mm -hmm. John the Baptist bore witness about him. Right. And think about God's providence in this. Like God knew that this book would be disseminated to billions of people throughout time and history. Mm -hmm. And he gives this beautiful picture, whole picture that would appeal to different kinds of thought patterns and whatnot. So it's really neat to see God's sovereignty uh, and, and the beauty of how he's revealed himself. You know, I didn't introduce you guys familiar voice here to my right, a voice that you've come to know and love on the sermon talk back it's good to be here. Pastor Blake Rogers. But also, I, is this your first time? First time. The first time on the Turner Talk Back, the legendary Jeremy Brooks. Uh, of course, you know, Jeremy, I guess one of our newest, maybe our newest, one of our newest staff members. 
heading up missions. He's our church planter in residence, and so good to have you here. If y'all don't know Jeremy, it, I'm Jeremy. I want you to be regular on the talk back because Jeremy is probably one of the most thoughtful men in our entire church. So, um, really glad you're here. So, yeah. look, give, share with us some of those wonderful thoughts that you have, Jeremy. What, as you think about John one, what what's some things that comes to mind? Well, actually, just what we were just talking about, like. I didn't think I don't think that I saw John this way until this sermon series, um, John, the Gospel of John, just this duality of big, sweeping, glorious truths. God at the beginning, you know, Jesus was God at the beginning with God the Father and the Spirit. But then, like, here's John the Baptist doing things in a real time and place, and so that that kind of uh, grounded in the earth, <laughs> and then, you know this oddness to heaven was something that really stood out to me more this time, I think than I've ever seen yeah. before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we talked about it, our uh, little preaching meeting the other day, John the Baptist would have been uh, a very famous person. Um, and so anchoring this in John was a good idea. It would, it would almost been like John, uh, the gospel writer, John saying, yeah, Martin Luther King Jr. gave witness. It, it'd mm-hmm. be something like that. This yeah. revolutionary leader that everybody kind of knew about. And he talked about Jesus, too, in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't just this ethereal word, light, um, you know, revelation of God. Um, God became flesh kind of thing. It was the like, yeah, remember John the Baptist mm-hmm. in history? He was famous, mm-hmm. and he liked Jesus too. So, I mean, yeah. there was, it was a, it's a very intentional mention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think some of the things that obviously we talked about yesterday is the fullness of the divinity of Christ, the fullness of the humanity of Christ. Um, I think Blake, you had some thoughts on that. Like, why is that so essential mm-hmm. that we? Why is the person of Christ being fully man, fully God? so essential to the Christian faith. Yeah. So, I mean, this has been a debated thing throughout church history. You know, there are, there are creeds that make this clear. There have been councils that um, churches have and, and whole communities of faith have come together to wrestle through these things. Like, mm-hmm. is Jesus 100% God? Is Jesus 100% man? And the answer to that throughout church history, according to the scriptures, is resoundingly yes. And it has to be that way uh, for two reasons. Uh, first of all, um, you know, Jesus had to be man in order to stand in the place of men. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, Paul makes this clear. The first Adam came in him. We all fell. And the second Adam came who is Christ. And in him, we have life. And, um, Jesus as a man had to come into this world to live the righteous life that Adam should have lived, the righteous life that we should have lived to stand in our place as a proper substitute. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, uh, why does, why does Jesus have to be God? Well, it's only God can appease his own wrath. Um, you know, and, and God is sovereign. He is absolutely holy and it is only he who can appease his wrath against Mm -hmm. sinfulness. And so, um, you know, in, in both of these realities that God is a hundred percent or Jesus, a hundred percent God and a hundred percent man, our whole hope rests on these two things. 
Yeah. I have yeah. a little question too. I think a lot of people maybe think about this or want to know the answer to this question. Like, how is it that Jesus represented us? And I think, you know, maybe Blake, you could speak to this, like the idea of Adam being like our federal head mm-hmm. and then Christ being our representative. Like, how does that work? Um, well, I mean, it's a, it is certainly a foundational um, biblical truth that we in Adam, um, though we were not Adam, we've inherited this sin nature um, from him. Mm. And that's passed down generation to generation. And, and God looks at us through the federal headship of Adam, unless we are found in Christ by faith. And so there are two federal heads by which all humanity will be represented. Either you'll be found in Adam in your sin, or through the second Adam, Christ, who came and lived the perfect life. For those who have faith and hope in him, God will look upon us through the lens of, of his righteousness and under his headship. That makes sense. That's good. And we all, I mean, we all live in that way, right? We all have an idea and understanding of representatives. Um, so this is not, you know, this is normal. This is life. And, uh, and I think for Christ to be our representative, this kind of gets back to what you were saying earlier, he had to be like us. He couldn't mm-hmm. represent us unless he was like us. Mm-hmm. Um, but because he has become like us, he, he can now represent us. Um, you know, we were also talking, Jeremy, you, you were talking earlier about, um, I think a very convicting passage in him was life. Like Jesus is life. Um, and there's probably more to that than we think about. Um, Mm -hmm. like what does it mean that Jesus is life and that life is in him? Yeah. And, and Blake was bringing up, you know, that, that David uh, Foster Wallace quote of how we, we just tend as humans. We live, we live in our own skull sized kingdoms. Um, but really we're, we're living in something that we're calling life and what the Bible is telling us is that no, no life is right here. Life is in this man. Life mm-hmm. is in Jesus. And, and that's fighting uh, for our control. And that, so I loved what you said when you said that, you know, basically to, to be a Christian is to hand your life over to Christ and say, no, you're in control of this life that I have. Um, but we are challenged by that. It's difficult to, uh, to give up that control. I think that's one of the great challenges of our lives. And yet, ironically, it, it leads to life. And, and life. if you really stop and think about it, you see how insignificant our own attempts at, you know, Jason is life. The Jason is life attempt leaves me with a tiny skull sized kingdom mm-hmm. at best. Mm-hmm. And at worst, uh, you know, a lot of frustration and emptiness and, um, you know, everything else. Um, and, and sometimes I think what we see is I can't even be the Lord of my skull size kingdom mm. because I'm not really in control of anything and mm. things don't really go my way. I mean, that was kind of the John Calvin quote of handing your life back, control your life back over to God is true in one sense. And there's obviously freedom that humanity enjoys, but in one, in another sense, like we never really had control of our life. We just thought we did, mm-hmm. you know, that's right. Mm. And then, you know, I, I thought that quote was very powerful because I thought it was just, it's just potent, you know? I mean, I don't know. It's just like... He was a great writer. The skull-sized kingdom. It just, when you read that, it made me just sit there and think, like, good Lord, like, how true is that of my experience where, um, 
my effort, my thought is surrounded and aimed at like me mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. in, in my little pea brain. That's something David Dieter always says in yeah. my little pea brain. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, it's like yeah. we, we make this, this life about us. And, um, even as believers, you know, we, we wrestle between participating in the kingdom of God, daily submitting our, our agendas to God's glory in Christ and actually going and trying to achieve our own glory. Like we still live in this way. So I'm interested, Jason, like, how do you know, like, how do you know that even as a Christian, there's moments when you're actually pursuing your little school size kingdom? Yeah. I mean, that's really, I mean, that I think is like the, the great measure of the Christian life. I think, um, you know, I think that we, uh, you know, as I think, I mean, evident, I guess evidence that we're finding ourselves in the kingdom of Christ and not in our own skull size kingdom. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing I think is just peace in the time of difficulty and trial. I mean, I think that's a great evidence. Mm-hmm. I think joy is a great evidence. Um, I think humility is a great evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, I think energy and toward the mission of Christ is a great evidence. Um, and so if you're, if you're pursuing your own skull size kingdom and something happens that is against that kingdom, mm-hmm. you're going to be distraught. You're going to be angry. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be really mad. You're going to be frustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, it's, it's all about you. But if you're really pursuing the kingdom of Christ, if you really believe that Jesus is life, the things that are going to offend you, the things that are going to hurt you and frustrate you are when Jesus is not exalted and when Jesus is not lifted up and when his mission is not going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I guess that would be my question is like, how concerned are you about that? Mm-hmm. And how much energy are you pouring into that? And if you really, um, if you really believe in that kingdom and really find yourself in his kingdom, the kingdom of Christ, then even when frustrations come our way, we can realize, look, I can leverage this for the good of Christ. God can be glorified in this. I can see God's hand in this. Um, and that's obviously a great theme of the entire New Testament, mm-hmm. that even in these trials, there's a lot going on that are actually really good things, both for you and for his kingdom. And I think those are the kinds of things that are evidence that the reins of your life have really been handed over to the Lord, and you're not gripping mm-hmm. so tightly for control um, anymore. But it's hard to know that in good times, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of requires a test. Yeah. Um, to, to really point out, you know, where is your life? Who is your life? I mean, this coronavirus is a good thing. Okay. Do you really trust a lot of plans have been foiled by this thing? Oh yeah. Do you really trust that God is sovereign, that he's overall? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's other, some, there's some good times tests. Like where do you spend your time? What do you spend your money doing? What are your conversations like? You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, uh, are, are those conversations that have anything to do with the kingdom of Christ going forward? Mm-hmm. So no, that's super helpful. Another like interesting thing to me about the start of John is like, um, you know, this verse 14, which you talked about some yesterday, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, John it is, he's like obviously taking, um, you know, he's zooming way out to talk about like, okay, what is time? What is space? What is history? And God in Christ has, has come into history and has tabernacled among yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just if, if you know your Old Testament, you know the importance of the tabernacle 
and how that was a reality that was the place where God and man could meet. Well, and that I was actually thinking about that right when you asked your, your previous question, which is one of the reasons I was caught off for a second. But I just the nature you, you said earlier, Blake, that you see Eastern and Western thought coming together in this, but it's really more than that. I mean, and this is this is all throughout the New Testament too. You see these New Testament authors trying to pick up on all of these Old Testament themes to show us what's really happening. So I think John 14, akenosin is an intentional word there that John is using to say he is the tabernacle, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, I, I think that Christians often miss that. I mean, I grew up in kind of a theological dispensationalism that, that I think misses a lot of what's actually happening in the Bible, mm-hmm. um, that Christ is this greater fulfillment um, of so much of what we see in the Old Testament. These mm-hmm. two things are not separate. Um, they are one. They are together. They are interdependent on one another. Um, and, you know, for those of you that I'm not saying, I mean, we don't have a dividing line on dispensationalism here, but mm-hmm. but dispensationalism, I think, will lead you to miss a lot of the beauty of Scripture. It can, and, you know, it can at best lead you to miss some of these beautiful things right. like this. Yeah. At worst, it can lead you to, like, a place where you're, like, dividing yourself or unhitching yourself or whatever from the old Testament. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so theology is important, right. And how we read the scripture, you know, is important. And I think some of the most beautiful rhythms of scripture, um, are things like this when we see, okay, actually this idea of the tabernacle, when I'm studying the tabernacle, it's not this like weird Hebrew, what does this have to do with my life? It's actually yeah. telling you about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so you should read that with a different eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what John is saying, I think, here. He's helping his readers connect those two ideas. Mm-hmm. And that's like an in-the-moment today, like right now, even as we are talking reality. Like what we read and study about the tabernacle, if we believe that Jesus came and that he sent his spirit to dwell in us, this what we're learning and studying about the tabernacle, there are things that are happening in our lived experience at this moment. <laughs> which is mind-bending to think about. And then, though, if you keep looking at Scripture, that's the future. That's what we're moving towards is this heaven and earth experience, which I thought you did a good job describing. Go study the Old Testament. You cannot understand what God has done, what Jesus talks about in John 16 where he talks about sending a spirit. You cannot understand that. You can't understand what it means to be indwelt with the Holy Spirit unless you've read the book of Exodus, unless you've read and understood the, even, I mean, the presence of God being among the people just near them Mm -hmm. was like the most overwhelming thing ever. And rightly so they rightly understood that. How much more, and what does it even mean that the very presence and power of God can indwell the life of a believer? I mean, first of all, this is the thing that always blows me away. How clean do you have to be in Christ? How pure do you have to be at Christ? I mean, I always think of the story Uzzah where he like just reached out his hand to study uh-huh. the ark and died because the power of God, the presence of God is so powerful. How is the Holy Spirit of God not killing me all the time within me? Well, the answer is the Holy Spirit couldn't live within me without killing me if I hadn't been made perfectly clean and righteous because of my federal head, mm-hmm. who is Jesus. And so this is, this is, I think this conversation is what I'm talking about. Like you, you can't really understand 
even just this one little part of the Bible, unless you understand the whole Bible. I mean, it, it, you can, but you can't get the fullness of it. It's a, it's a, right. it's a web. It's like the internet, man. It's just, as soon as you click on one thing, it's like, well, I want to click on this too. And I want to click on this too. And I want to click on this too. And it's so connected. Um, and it's so big. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like what it said, I think in that little John for you commentary, which is a popular quote that like the gospel of John is this, it's like this water that a toddler could play in, but then it's also like as deep as like an elephant could swim in. Like it's just this deep and yet shallow thing mm-hmm. um, for all. That's right. And the importance of the Old Testament. I mean, look at this. I know that we're not there yet, but like in the next section, you know, you've got prophets who, you know, people are accusing John the Baptist of being a prophet. He appeals to Isaiah. And then you've got this really profound section where John the Baptist proclaims, behold, the Lamb of God. What does that mean? Again, and why? Same thing. So teaser, teaser. For, the weeks, for the weeks ahead. Man, this has been a good conversation. I, I like what you were saying there, Jeremy, just to go back to that really quickly. I, I've probably read these verses. I, I mean, I've probably read the first 18 verses of John a thousand times in my life. I mean, probably. Yeah. Somewhere around there. I mean, thought about them more. Hundreds yeah. 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 of times, at least. And even just this week, thinking about it, reading through it, I saw new things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, this this ocean is so much deeper than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's even deeper yeah. still. I'm not saying I got to the bottom of it yet. Right. I'm just saying I saw a little bit more of it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. well, great conversation, guys. For Blake Rogers, a voice you've come to know and trust. And for Jeremy Brooks, Hey-o. a first-timer on the Sermon Talkback, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening.